Hey, welcome to the C3 Victory Podcast. We're praying this message encourages you, grows your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for joining us. We have been in an incredible series in the book of Ruth and I got to kick it off and now I get to wrap it up and I'm pretty excited about it this morning. Um, If you are visiting with us in any way, shape or form outside of uh, our, our, our cousins at Rhythm City, then Welcome. We love having visitors here. Uh, please, please do not leave without having met uh, someone in this church, a pastor, someone. Connect with someone. We would love to find out your story while you're here. But if you are visiting, then maybe you haven't necessarily been around for the first three chapters of Ruth. It's been a great journey. It's been a great journey. And this morning, we're going to kick off in chapter four. We're going to finish it off. We're going to read a whole chapter of scripture. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. The reality is that this scripture is like, it's a perfect Mother's Day scripture. It really is, right? Like if you read through chapter four, you will find it is full of romance. It is full of love. It is full of pregnancy, birth, motherhood, grandmotherhood, right? It it speaks to the life of a widow, a wife, a mother-in-law, not to mention all of the noisy neighborhood women involved in the story, right? So I feel like on Mother's Day, this is a great scripture. This is a great scripture, and I really believe God's going to speak this morning as we get into it. So I might, I might just paraphrase, if that's all right, as we go through. But we pick up the story this morning. Uh, if, you, if you remember, Naomi left Uh, The people of God, the land of God, there was a famine. She left. She tried to get out of a difficult situation. In that season, her husband died. Uh, Her sons got married. Then they both died. And it was her and and two daughters-in-law left in a foreign land, not sure what to do. And she heard heard that, that God was blessing his people back in the land that she had left. And so she's like, I'm going home. One daughter-in-law was like, you know what? It seems a little complicated. I'm going to stay with my people. It's a lot more safe and secure, and I understand things here. But Ruth said, as uh, Pastor Rach uh, let us know this morning, I'm going with you. I am, I am going to shift everything that defines me, my entire belief system, everything that I would say makes up who I am. I am leaving that, and I am going to embrace an entirely new basis of identity. And it's in this moment that we understand that the entire book of Ruth is really a, a, a pointer, a signpost to the, the, the big picture of Scripture, which is that Jesus has come from heaven to earth because he loves us so that we might be born again into his family and not, no longer be strangers and separated from him, but actually that we would be redeemed. And, and the whole book of Ruth is about this. And we see it in the first chapter, we see it in the second, in the third, and this morning we're going to see it in the fourth chapter, where we, we, we find this kind of culmination, if you will. Naomi has been in the background directing some things with Ruth. She's like, look, Ruth, you know, why don't you, why don't you go and, and, and go and try to get some food? So Ruth goes to a certain field, just so happens to be the field of, of a, a family member. And it's funny how, how there's really no coincidences in the kingdom of God, right? Like until we're saved, we call them coincidences. And then in hindsight, we go, oh, actually, that was the plan of God. God was involved. Um, 
And so God begins to, to, to go to work in the background of this story. And he, he, he begins to direct Ruth and Ruth meets Boaz. And Naomi's like, you know what? I think that's a great mix. And if you're here and, and maybe you're like dating someone, run it past your parents. Great idea. Is this person going to be a great match for me? All right. They know you pretty well, probably know you better than you know you. And uh, it's always good to get their insight. Um, it's never, never, never really beneficial if you marry someone that doesn't like your parents and your parents don't like them. Um, this, is, this is a difficult journey. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I'm pretty sure my mum loves Rach more than me. That's the conclusion that I've come to. There's strong agreement on the front row uh, this morning. Yeah, she wins again. She wins again. But Ruth begins as, as a tragedy, Right? Ruth begins with this story of loss and grief and suffering, of abandonment, of, of relocating, uh, a, a whole life, a family, a loss of community, this family breakdown, uh, there's pain, there's disappointment. This is, this is the, the, the context, this is the setting that we get this story out of, right? Within the first couple of little, little like in verses, of, we, we realize, wow, this is what's going on. And here's, here's what I love about Ruth. Ruth is relatable. Ruth is real life, because, because I know this morning, there's a whole lot of mums watching online, here in person, then you relate to one of those things, pain, suffering, abandonment, having to relocate your family, trauma, loss of community, family breakdown, and I love that when we come to Scripture, it's not so separated from our life that we can't receive from it. But actually, it speaks right into the, the real-life, everyday situations that we walk through. And because it does that, we can get into this scripture and we can be like, God, what did you do? What did you do with Ruth? What did you do for Ruth? What are you speaking to me in the situation that I'm in that I can take from this story and know that it translates? If you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now in my life. If you're walking through some of these things right now, I'm telling you, God has something for you this morning out of this story. And Ruth, she goes to these, this field. Things progress. She ends up lying down at Boaz's feet, which I, you know, strange, but we'll go with that. He clearly didn't have smelly feet, or that wouldn't have ended the way it did. But... But we get to this point where, where Boaz has an opportunity to redeem, and this is a, this is a historical Israelite part of their law, where, where a living, distant relative almost has this obligation to, to redeem the inheritance of, a, a, of another family line in, in the, the scenario that Ruth is, is living in, and Naomi in particular is living in, where she has lost her husband and her son, so there is now no uh, uh, lineage or lineage below her to continue the inheritance of that family line. And so written into the law of Israel was there was an obligation for families to look out for each other. And I, I think about us as a, as a family of believers, and I think we could take a lot from that. That as a family, there's actually an obligation that we would look after each other. That we would look out for each other. 
that we would be looking to contribute into the, the life of each other's family, to ensure that, that even if a family is going through tragedy and suffering, that we would invest into that family in a way that the inheritance that they are establishing in their lives, spiritually or, or, or whatever, would not go to waste, but that we would invest, we would be side by side. But in the nation of Israel, it worked out that there was this thing called a family redeemer, and Boaz was a particular family redeemer. But there was one that was before him in line. And this is where we pick up the story. Boaz is like, I'm going to go and talk to this guy. I'm going to go and talk to this guy. And so he goes and he sits at the, the gate of the city, which was the place of meeting uh, back in, in, in that day and age. And he waited for this particular guy to come past. It says he gathered 10 other men or 10 other, uh, what does it say here? He calls them witnesses so that they could witness this particular conversation and this deal. And Boaz says, listen, here's the thing. You are first in line to be the family redeemer. I don't want to take from you the possibility that, that God has given you to bless someone. But if you're not, if you're not keen for that, then, then I'm going to step in. And it's funny because the guy says, he, he says this uh, in verse 6. In verse 6. Sorry, let, uh, verse 5. Sorry, AV guys. Let's go verse 5. Can we go verse 5? There we go. He says, Boaz told him, of course you purchased the land from Naomi. It also requires that you marry Ruth. Right, so initially this guy thinks he's just getting a great land deal, right? Property market is what it is, and he's like, great, I get this like free acreage of land, this thing's gonna go up in value, so good. And Boaz is like, it comes with like a package deal. It comes with a package deal, you also have to marry a Moabite. You also have to marry someone who is an enemy of God. Oh, it's not getting so sweet now, right? Like, it's not like just this free block of land. It's now, uh, and now it comes with baggage, right? It comes with, it comes with this extra. I have, I have learned often that when we say yes to the call of God, it often comes with some difficult extra. If you're looking for simple, don't say yes to the call of God. And so the guy goes, ah, oh, you know what? Actually, uh, I can't redeem it. I can't do it. I'm out. He says, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. This, this guy missed the opportunity to be the one that God would use to seed the saviour of the world because he did not want the opportunity to follow the call of God in such a way that it would mess with his well-constructed life. I, I will be honest, I have concerns about the Western church as a whole. Sorry, serious message on Mother's Day. That we are so engaged in creating for ourselves safety, security, and, and a life that is filled with all of the niceties and all of the, you know, that we are not willing to say yes to the call of God because it comes with some inconvenience and it comes with some extra that we're not sure how we're going to deal with it. It comes with this putting ourselves out of our comfort zone that, that now he, oh, it comes with lamb, but also comes with Ruth and Ruth is complicated and Ruth is difficult and, and he doesn't know how to deal with Ruth. And there will be things that God places in front of you in the call of God that you may not know how to deal with, but can I tell you that it's in the process of engaging with those that you are made into, the person necessary to fulfill the call that he has on your life. But too often, you want to know what we do? Uh, that's, that's going to mess with my routine. 
sorry, that commitment is going to complicate my calendar, so I'm out. You redeem it. You join team. You, actually, you know, everyone else can tithe, but that's going to mess with my budget. <laughs> Work with me this morning, guys. Anyway, Boaz is like, oh, hey, I'm in. This is going to be great. So Boaz goes ahead, he redeems the land. He redeems the land, he marries Ruth. Uh, it's a beautiful conclusion to the story. It says that they had a beautiful son. His name was Obed. We're going to get on to that. Obed means, means worship. Obed means servant of God, worshiper. It's like, it's like right, uh, like the underlying message of Ruth is that God is going to bring you to a point where you are worshiping out of tragedy. Um, oh, I'm, 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 we, let's go. <laughs> <clears throat> I want to speak to mums for a second. It's Mother's Day after all. This whole story about Ruth, we can lose the role Naomi played. Because she's in the background. Chapter one, if you want, is about Naomi. But the rest of the book is about Ruth. I mean, it even gets titled Ruth. And what we can miss in this is that Naomi, in the background, was the catalyst for this whole story of redemption. She's the one that first turned back to her people. She's the one that first decided, you know what? I'm going home. I I have to reconnect with my people. I have to put myself back into the house of God. I have to be back in relationship with those around me that are going to help lift me out of this season of difficulty and suffering and tragedy. I have to go home. Now, sure, Ruth... Ruth made a decision in that moment to go with her, and we've talked about it. It was a ruthless decision. She was willing to cut every tie from her past to go with Naomi. But let's not not miss that Naomi was the one that then when they got home, encouraged Ruth to go to a particular field. Encouraged Ruth to, to keep harvesting. When Ruth came home and told her the story, Naomi's like, let me explain something to you. That's the favor of God. You might not understand that yet, but this is the favor of God on your life, and you need to keep pursuing that. You need to keep going back to that field because God's doing something here. Ruth had no concept of God, of Yahweh God. And here's her mother-in-law in the background, the catalyst to Ruth finding redemption. She just keeps putting in these, just keeps sowing these words, keeps giving some instruction. Hey, you know, next time, hey, this is what's going to happen. You know, Boaz, he's going to have, he's going to celebrate the end of the harvest. He's going to have a drink. He's going to go here. He's going to lie down. He's going to fall asleep. He's going to be tired. It's going to be great. Here's what you do. Go lie down at his feet. Please, mums, don't underestimate the role that you play in helping your family, your kids, children. They're not goats. Find, not all the time, find, find a real relationship with Jesus. Find redemption for their own life. Don't miss the role that you play as the catalyst to their story. It's not your story, but you're not disconnected either. Those, those, those well-timed statements those well-timed pieces of advice, that constant direction to just 
just go and reconnect with someone. Why don't you go to that group? Why don't, you, why don't you go and hang out with that person? They seem like a great friend. In the background, you're like, oh, they are a good friend. I know they're in church every week. I know they've got a relationship with Jesus. Right? When they come home and they tell you that they want to go to that party with that, that family that you're like, oh, I don't know if that's a great idea, and you hide the, the, the invite at the back of the pile of things on the fridge so they forget that that party is happening. Why? Because you are, you are the catalyst to their journey towards redemption. We would never do those things in our house. <laughs> However, it's, in saying that, it's really important for me to say this. You do not carry the weight and the responsibility for their redemption. That sits with Jesus. You can be a catalyst, but don't carry the weight. You can be a voice, you can be an encouragement, you can be a, you can be a signpost and a direction, you can live a life that demonstrates to them that the greatest thing they can do is find Jesus for themselves, but it's not your responsibility. John 6.44 says this, no one comes to Jesus, no one comes to redemption, salvation, unless they are first drawn by God the Father. You have got to trust that God is in more pursuit of your children than you care about their own salvation. God cares more because they were his kids first. God cares more about them finding him that he is at work right now drawing them to himself. It doesn't matter how far away you feel like they are, he is drawing them to himself. He cares more. He is on a pursuit like you would not believe for your kids. Trust him. Trust him. You know, Boaz in this story, he is, he is a, a type of Jesus, an Old Testament type of Jesus. And we, we get a number, of, a number of stories throughout Scripture, particularly the Old Testament. And, and obviously we, we get these because uh, the Holy Spirit is in, has inspired the, the, the stories that were recorded. We don't have every single story from the history of Israel. What we have are the ones that God knows speaks of the, 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 the future that, that he has, is establishing. And so, and so Ruth is one of those stories. We talked in, in, in the first week about Ruth, about how this story is right in between uh, the season of Judges and the season of Kings. There would have been thousands of little family stories just like Ruth. But, but Ruth is the one recorded because Ruth is the one in which Boaz shows us a type of Jesus. Because Boaz pays the price to re-establish someone else's inheritance. You see, he didn't get the land for free. As a, as a kingsman redeemer, as a family redeemer, he had to purchase the land at his own cost. At his own cost, he was buying and establishing someone else's inheritance. It would never go to his son's. It would only go to the one that was born through Ruth so that that family line could maintain that land initially attributed to them way back when Moses divvied up, uh, Joshua, sorry, divvied up the land. Things were written into place to make sure that families maintained the land that they were given. And this was one of those things. And so Boaz is paying the price 
to restore someone else's inheritance. I'm here to tell you this morning, that is what Jesus did for you. He paid the price to restore to you a relationship with God. The truth is that we all were separated from God, every single one of us, through what Scripture calls sin. Sin is the things we do that, 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 that separate us. They're the things that God says, they don't demonstrate my image in you and they separate you from me. And there was no way that we could get back in relationship with God. And so you know what? Jesus said, I'm going to pay the price for their inheritance. I'm going to pay the price for your inheritance. So that now in Scripture, uh, where is it, where is it, where are my notes? Uh, there's, there's a Scripture in Ephesians, I think, that I put there. Fantastic. Yeah, Ephesians 2, let's do that one. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promise. God had made to them, who lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. That right there, you could, you could take the whole story of Ruth and that's it. That's it. That Ruth, who was actually a complete, like, like, Throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites are told to kill the Moabites, cleanse the land, kill every single one, man, woman, child, get rid of them, let none of them be left. Yet here's Ruth, a Moabite, an enemy of the people of God. And God says, you know what? She's perfect to show my people for all time that it does not matter how far away from God you were does not matter how you classify yourself as to whether or not you see yourself as so far from God. I hate God. I'm an enemy from God. I don't want anything to do with him. Let me tell you, you can never be so far away that God cannot redeem you. You, are never been, you, you, you can't get too far away for the blood of Christ to cover you. It's impossible. Colossians 1.21 says this, it says, This includes you who were far, once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. He has redeemed you through the death of Christ to his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You know, if we only knew the end from, from the midst of the difficulty of our stories, I think we might label ourselves differently. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many of you, I've, I've, I, you know, I've, I've done a, I've done a journey and, and it's interesting because there was a period of time in my life where there is no way in the world I would have labeled myself as holy and blameless before God. And yet God says that's a label that you can wear because of what Jesus has done. I could spend a whole lot of time right now talking about how redemption is both a moment and a process. That the moment of Ruth's redemption began the moment she was willing to say yes to follow Naomi. But the fullness of that didn't happen 
until we progress through chapter 2 and chapter 3 and get to chapter 4. Redemption is both a moment and a process. Many of you have had the moment. Some of you are going to have a moment this morning. But for, for, for a lot of us, we are in the process. We're on the journey. We're learning what it looks like to glean from the kingdom of heaven and not from the fields of the world. Where we are learning what it looks like to feed ourselves from, from the word of God. Where we are, we're, we're learning to label ourselves out of what God says about us. We're not, 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 not going after the things that the, the world might define us as or, 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 or the things that the world puts before us and says, oh, this looks better. It's a process and a moment. And to be honest, the process is ruthless. It requires from us a ruthless type of commitment. Why? Because it's a new birth. Mums, that process of birth is, I've been told, um, it's not, not necessarily the most easiest process. The moment at which we shift from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that requires a significant shift. Scripture says we are born again. There is, a, there is a complete redefinition of who we are. Everything we defined ourselves in the past suddenly falls down and we are now defined by everything to do with Jesus. In fact, you're called a child of God. You're a son, you're a daughter of his family now. That is how redeemed you have been. You have been shifted from enemy to son and to daughter. And it's in this that we see actually the outrageous love of God for us. So here's, here's the thing. This story that started as a tragedy, this season of Naomi's life where everything was going bad, there was a famine that she tried to escape only to move into a season of losing her husband and both her sons. And we know from chapter 1, what she does is she takes a hold of that and she labels herself. She labels the whole thing bitter. She's like, my life is bitter, I'm bitter, don't even call me Naomi anymore, call me bitter. Naomi means pleasant. And I want to I tell you this morning that you need to be really careful what you call it. Whatever season you're walking through right now, you need to be careful what you call it. Because we know that at the end of the story, the end of our story, we're called holy and blameless in His sight. So be careful what you call it over here because God's not done. You know, we call ourselves, we call ourselves broken. We call ourselves useless. We call ourselves damaged, anxious, depressed, abused, abandoned, unlikable, unlovable. We label ourselves based on our mistakes. We say we're rejected, unwanted, not good enough. We label ourselves based on our lives. We tell ourselves I'm bad with money. I'm not good at relationships. I'm a failure. And the thing is that we live up to the labels that we put on ourselves. And mums, I know. I know that, that you do this. You do this. You, you scroll through Instagram. You scroll through Facebook. You read parenting books. You look at your friends. See how they're parenting. See how their life is going. 
and you put labels on yourself. And you tell yourself that you're just like your mom. And I'm not talking about the good things. You tell yourself you're ruining your kids. You tell yourself you're a bad mom. That you're not enough. You use comparison to label yourself as inadequate. Well, I'm not that over there. I'm not that that I see on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm not. And the very moment you do that, what you do is you place a label on yourself of inadequacy, dysfunction. truth is there might have been moments Naomi had moments it's not to flippantly say that the death doesn't hurt that it's not a, a, a forever sense of loss that is always there but at the same time as a moment it's just a moment and we're too good at, at defining ourselves by moments Moments that are often in our past. Moments that we've often actually moved on from, but we continue to live under. But God's a bit different. Because God has this habit of always working things together for our good. God has this habit of bringing beauty out of ashes. He has this habit of bringing dancing from mourning. He has this, he has this habit of turning things around that what the enemy has tried to, to use for destruction, what the enemy has tried to use to bring you down, what the enemy has tried to use to, to cause you to withdraw, what the enemy has tried to bring evil and, and, and death and destruction into your life. It says that God is using that very thing for good. Do you realise that it was the tragedy of Naomi's life that caused her to turn back to him? not just for her benefit, but to bring Ruth into a moment where Ruth chose redemption for herself. And what we see, not just in that moment, but if we keep reading Ruth, we arrive at the end of chapter four where Ruth has a baby. And it is through that baby that we see that the the genealogy arrives at the very saviour of the world, Jesus. It's right in the midst of suffering that God is seeding the saviour. Right in the midst of Naomi's worst season of her life, God is implanting in that moment the seed of the Saviour of the world. And what does Naomi do? She calls her bitter. She labels herself bitter. Don't label it until God's done with it. Don't do that. Whatever you're walking through right now, don't label it until God's done with it or go and get a piece of Scripture that reminds you what God can do with it and label it with that. Because what we call tragedy, God is using for a triumph. We see it time and time again in Scripture. I've experienced it time and time again in my life. There are story after story in this house, in this family, of times of difficulty, of pain. And that's not to diminish the realities of those emotions and feelings, but I'm telling you, in the midst of that pain, this is just for age. God is doing Pilates on your soul. Come on, what you call God, what you call bad, 
God calls a boot camp. Paul tells us, Paul tells us, count it as joy when there are trials of every kind. Why? Because it's in trials that God does His greatest work in us. In the midst of an incredible season of tragedy and suffering, God goes, Saviour of the world's coming through that. Saviour of the world's coming through that. If you're not dead, He's not done. Come on. Got a lot of people breathing in this place today. If you're breathing, He's not finished. He's still working. If there's no famine, there's no Moab. If there's no Moab, there's no Ruth. If there's no Ruth, there's no marriage. If there's no marriage, there's no loss. If there's no loss of that marriage, there's no moment where Naomi turns back. If there's no moment where Naomi turns back and there's no loss of a marriage, there's no reason for Ruth to pursue Naomi. There's no reason for Ruth to even question. No question, no follow, no follow, no Boaz, no Boaz, no redemption, no grief for Naomi, no redemption for Ruth, no redemption for Ruth, no King David, no King Jesus. We label our difficulty too quickly. We label ourselves because of the difficulty we walk through. We label ourselves because of the mistakes we've made. We label ourselves because of the circumstances that are around us that try to tell us we're certain things. But I'm here to tell you, don't label it till God's done with it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming messages. We would love for you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.